Hey folks, Andy Patton here, joined by Pepperdine PA announcer Asher Lowe to preview Gonzaga's Wednesday game against the Waves, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, ready to take you through another season of Gonzaga hoops. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. All right, we got a very special episode today. I am joined by Asher Lowe. Asher, is the former host of the Locked On Badgers podcast, writes about the Wisconsin Badgers. He also has a new, very different position as the PA announcer for the Pepperdine Waves. Asher, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show and talk about these waves. Of course. Thank you for having me, Andy. Love talking WCC hoops. Absolutely. Asher, you were on my show back when it was ScoreZag Score a while ago. I know you were a diehard Pepperdine fan. You didn't have, I believe, you didn't have any affiliation with the school directly. Now, obviously, doing this PA gig, would love to hear how this came together and how it's been doing this kind of radically new job for you and and what it's been like doing it at a school that you've been a fan of for so long. Yeah, so I did PA in high school. I'm from Los Angeles, uh, born and raised here. I did PA in high school over at Harvard-Westlake, and that's how I kind of started. And after high school, I went to Wisconsin, obviously. Mm -hmm. I want to be a play-by-play announcer. That's my long-term goal. Um, Mm -hmm. I recently graduated from Wisconsin this last year and came back home and was just, you know, trying to figure out things in sports media and piece things together as we all do in this business and find different roles here, roles there, whatever. And I started just kind of posting about Pepperdine a lot on this account. Mm -hmm. Just like nobody was really following it. It was just for fun, just for me. Started talking to some of the guys. And because I'm one of the only – you know, there aren't many of us out there. There's like right. a few of us out there. We've actually become friends with the Pepperdine super fans. There's mm-hmm. like maybe three or four of us that are, uh, I would call super fans of Pepperdine, watch every game and talk about every game. And I became friends with some of the players through Twitter, was talking to them a lot, whatever. Uh, fast forward a little bit. I was just kind of cold emailing some of the Pepperdine people, be like, do you need any help with anything media related? I have this experience, whatever. And they were like, yeah, we need PA help mm-hmm. beginning of the year for soccer. So I came in, I did some soccer games in August, and I ended up hosting Blue and Orange Madness, which is like our version of, you know, like the Midnight Madness type thing that college basketball teams do. We had a dunk contest, all that stuff. And it wasn't really a PA role. It was more like I was kind of like a host, like floating around Mm -hmm. the arena. It was packed with students. It was a lot of fun. So I did that. And then Coach Romar and some other people really liked it and wanted me to come on and do PA for them for the year. So that's kind of how it all started. And now I do every sport. Uh, not just basketball, um, volleyball right now. We have men's volleyball right now going on, baseball starting next week, as you know. And mm-hmm. so a, a lot of stuff going on right now, but it's been a ton of fun. I've actually also subbed at LMU in the last mm-hmm. few months. I did two LMU games, which was funny. I had to root for LMU against Pepperdine in volleyball. That was weird. I did an <laughs> LMU home game. I'm the Pepperdine volleyball PA guy, but I did an LMU home game as their PA guy. And so I've been doing that. I did one game at UC Riverside last week, so I've been trying to trying to – piece it all together here and it's been a ton of fun that is awesome so you grew up in LA and 
I, you probably are aware of this, but there are some other college basketball teams in LA that I think is tend to be where people gravitate as fans. Uh, I'm obviously thrilled that you're a WCC fan because we need more of them, but how did it come to be that you ended up being a, a Pepperdine fan? So I, I'm pretty close to campus, maybe 25 minutes away from campus, but closer to UCLA. And I went mm-hmm. to UCLA games growing up too. The real answer to that question is my dad doesn't like parting with his money. And he's a little bit cheap sometimes. <laughs> and Pepperdine games were five dollars mm-hmm. a game. Laker games about a hundred fifty dollars, yep. two hundred dollars to get in. Clipper games were pretty cheap too. That's why I became a Clipper fan. There but if you look at the Pepperdine games and the Clipper games, you got the cheapest tickets in LA. Mm-hmm. There you go. Simple reason right there. You can go to tons of games, cost nothing, and it's a high school gym. So really, you're up close on the court. And so seeing guys like you know Gonzaga greats like mm-hmm. growing up seeing uh, Morrison, seeing mm-hmm. uh, Pango, seeing these great Gonzaga players that were there for so long and seeing guys like Jimmer in that arena, seeing, yeah. seeing, seeing guys come in that arena and it's a tiny, tiny gym, you're up close. Mm-hmm. That is a special experience, yeah. a really special. I remember I saw Paul George at Fresno State mm-hmm. uh, when I was little. So tons of really cool guys you get to see up close and personal in Firestone Fieldhouse. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's cool to be able to get to be so familiar with the team and the players, obviously, like uh, Gonzaga is kind of in a, in a weird middle spot where it's small enough that you can still kind of interact with the players uh, as fans more than you might be able to at some of like the really big schools. But it's certainly at Pepperdine, like if you are display a lot of fandom, like you get to interact with the players on social media for you, you obviously turn this into a legitimate opportunity for work, which is fantastic. I've always loved that. I work at the university of Portland uh, and I could see firsthand, like the really big fans of the team, like, the the administration like loved that and wanted to get them more involved and kind of have them be a part of the thing. It seems like that's kind of a a similar situation at Pepperdine, which is why I strongly advocate for being fans of maybe the lesser known schools in your area, because it gets you these really afford you opportunities that you may not get if you're a diehard UCLA fan, like thousands of other people. Totally. And it's a whole community experience. Like you said, it's a tight knit community and it feels really personal when you're there, you know, you Mm -hmm. meet everybody, the players want to talk to you and hang out because there's not a lot of you and they really appreciate right. it in a different yeah. way. I think the, the players that see fans coming out to every Pepperdine game, the Pepperdine players that see that and know mm-hmm. you and meet you, they appreciate you in a different way from, say, an NBA super fan or a right. UCLA super fan, somebody like that. Absolutely. So how has been behind the mic been? I, I know that you said you wanted to be a play-by-play announcer. I know you've done it a little bit in high school, but what has that experience been like doing it at the collegiate level, uh, especially for a team you grew up uh, rooting for? Yeah, so at Wisconsin, I did tons of play-by-play work. Uh, no PA work, though, which mm-hmm. is interesting. So I took all that time off from doing PA. And it was easy because I had soccer at the beginning, which if you know how, how soccer PA works, I basically say three things all game, which right. is awesome. I basically just get to sit there and watch. So it was a great mm-hmm. lead-in. And basketball is a lot faster, but I'm a basketball guy first and foremost. I would right. say the hardest thing was volleyball for me, learning the rules, why like I, I would get points wrong sometimes like because i would assume something right. <laughs> uh, at the very beginning so that that was a bit of a an adjustment for sure but i definitely feel comfortable now with it but being behind the mic for basketball has been unbelievable man i absolutely love it i kind of found my ways of saying names i'm actually mm-hmm. posting a tiktok my first tiktok i'm not a tiktok guy at all i don't know how to use it i don't i don't use it and i've never yep. posted one but i recorded yesterday's intro against byu like a like from my angle of mm-hmm. me saying it and i also added some like stuff before to kind of show how i prep for a game on, on pa for for you know the men's mm-hmm. college basketball game and 
what I do, who I ask questions to, when I get the starting lineups, how I get name pronunciations, all that stuff. So I'm posting that. So that'll kind of be a cool insight into what I do on a game to game basis. I'll probably try to tweet that out today at some point. Absolutely. Well, I will share that because that is interesting to me for sure. Asher, thanks for joining me today. We're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to actually talk about this Pepperdine roster and this game coming up on Wednesday. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on back. We're still chatting with Asher Lowe, the PA announcer for the Pepperdine Waves. Asher, the Zags and the Waves have already played this season. The Zags dropped a cool 117 points in this game. However, the Waves did drop 83, which is not too bad. Uh, I'm curious, uh, having seen that game, knowing that this game is coming up again, uh, if you expect any adjustments from Coach Romar, anything that this team might potentially try to do differently, or anything that has changed on this team between then and now that might make this game look a little bit different. Okay, I will say, listen, it's hard to talk about adjustments when I'm talking about <laughs> Gonzaga and Pepperdine this year. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, it's really hard to do. I watch almost every Gonzaga game too. I think you mm-hmm. know that, that I'm a mm-hmm. huge Zags guy once Pepperdine gets out. I always pull for Gonzaga. My Twitter is very pro-Zags usually every mm-hmm. single year. But listen, there's nothing we can really do. This yeah. year. It's okay. It happens. But there is something to look forward to with this team. And mm-hmm. there are things that have changed. So I'll talk about that. Yeah. Four true freshmen started last night against BYU and honestly probably should have beat them. Mm-hmm. Really probably should have won that game. Yeah. BYU hit, I want to say – 60% of their threes last night off the top of my head. They mm-hmm. could not miss. Alex Barcelo had a string of four straight threes in a row once Pepperdine built an early lead. He could not miss. And Max Lewis, who had scored 20 points in two of the last three games before that game, uh, was injured on a dunk attempt to start the second half that kind of brought Pepperdine back. They were within four after that dunk. He fell down, looked like he hurt his wrist. I don't know exactly know what the injury is, but he did not return. And mm-hmm. he's been Pepperdine's best offensive player over the last week or so, last two weeks or so. And you didn't have him for the end of that game. But like I said, they hung with BYU till the end with four true freshmen starting. How many college basketball teams in the country have started four true freshmen this season? In barely one, if any. I don't know. Um, And the new guy to bring up is, you know, Max Lewis. He wasn't really as much in the fold the first time you played Gonzaga or we played Gonzaga uh, back at the kennel. But he has now become the clear best offensive player on this team. And he's a guy that's really interesting the top-rated recruit in Pepperdine history since Tyrone Shelley way back in the day, back in like 08, I want to say, that class. So in over a decade, he's the highest-rated recruit ever to come into the program. He's a guy that Baylor really wanted. Scott Drew was going after very, very hard. Then he decided to go pro. Then he made a last-minute decision to switch, come to Pepperdine. He hadn't played organized ball in a long time. Mm -hmm. You kind of saw this AAU max come out, as I like to call it. He had a very (laughs) AAU-type game. You know, the the, yeah. the passing mechanics weren't quite there, but then there'd be these flashes where you're like, oh, my God, who is this guy? Uh, like 6'7", has a filthy jab, 
kind of used the same two or three combo moves that always seem to work. Nobody can stop him. And he is a really, really good shooter and a really good space creator for his jumper. But like some of the, the you know, running sets crisply, uh, knowing when to make certain passing reads, that wasn't quite there. And it's all coming together over the last few weeks for him. He is playing tremendous basketball over the last two weeks, and hopefully he's healthy. We don't know yet, but hopefully he's healthy to play. Don't know about that injury, and hopefully we'll find out something closer to game time on Wednesday. But he is a huge difference right now from where he was then to where he is now. The other guy that's a huge, huge difference maker from where he was to start the year till now, where he wasn't on the floor to start the year. He wasn't a guy that could get rotation minutes, and now he's Pepperdine starting big and a guy that looks really, really good in that role, Carson Basham, who's a freshman out of Phoenix, Arizona, 6'10", 6'11", really good finisher, best role threat on this team, really, really good with both hands at the rim. His footwork is solid. His issue is on defense, and we kind of run this hedge and recover, pick and roll coverage that he's just not quite fast enough to run sometimes Mm -hmm. against the more athletic bigs in the conference. But offensively, he has really, really impressed me. He is already the best offensive big on this team, and he's a true freshman and a guy that at the beginning of the year was, you know, came in a little bit out of shape, wasn't really ready to play at this level, and now all of a sudden looks like he more than belongs. And keep in mind, the two guys I just talked about both true freshmen, and I haven't even gotten into Houston Millette and Mike Mitchell Jr. yet, but we'll do that down the road. Yeah, you know, I think for Pepperdine, you look at this team who who had clearly one of their best rosters in a very long time last year when they had Colby Ross, they had Kessler Edwards, who's playing well in the NBA, and you kind of knew that after that season, there was going to have to be a little bit of a reset. And certainly you look at their record right now and you look at their record last year and they clearly have regressed and are playing, you know, are not winning as many games. But, but when you look at, you know, for us, like we didn't see a lot of Maxwell Lewis uh, in the first game. And, and I don't know if we saw the big guy. I mean, I'm sure he played, but like you said, those guys have, have improved as the season has gone on, which is what you want out of your freshmen. I mean, certainly you look at Gonzaga on a, on a higher scale, but their freshmen were, you know, Chet Holmgren wasn't bad to begin the season by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a lot better now. And Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman are considerably better players on this roster than they were to begin the season. So that's the that's the expect, ex, expectation is that these kind of players grow. For, for the ways to have a player who was recruited by Baylor, a player like Lewis, who, you know, a player who's a higher rated recruit than Ross, than Edwards, than, you know, Doug Christie or whatever uh, in, the, in the program's history, like, that's a tremendous sign for for Romar and this team. He's always been great at recruiting, so I'm not surprised he's pulling in some high-level talent. And, and the opportunity to see this team continue to grow, uh, even while most people will look at their record and say, oh, they're just really bad now and kind of just ignore them. But obviously you're seeing a team that is clearly on the rise and growing. I don't know that it's going to make an impact on the score on Wednesday against the Zags, but it's nice to know that this program is not – just, you know, back in the cellar indefinitely. Clearly they have some aspirations to kind of claw their way out of this. And they have uh, a handful of freshmen. You mentioned Millette, who had an incredible game against BYU. He was absolute money in that game. And he was good against Gonzaga too. He's a really talented young man. And you factor in him and those other freshmen, like you could definitely see how this team's going to be back up at the top half of this conference in a couple of years. Absolutely. And the way I've put it to certain people when I'm talking to them after games or whatever about this team is, I've seen a lot of losing seasons. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of losing seasons over the last 15 years or so watching this team growing Mm -hmm. up. And I don't think I've ever been as excited about a losing season like a bottom of the WCC season as I am right now. And it's pretty simple as to why. Four true freshmen are the main dudes on this team. And I think Houston and Mike will be here 
multiple years and will grow together and already have a tremendous chemistry that's covered on starting backcourt of Houston Millette and Mike Mitchell Jr. Both, like mm-hmm. I said, freshmen, both guys that are from the state of California and have come in and made tremendous strides this year. If you go watch Houston Millette play at Rice in the opening game of the year, he is a different person now. Mm-hmm. And I think he would tell you that. Yeah. Uh, also, they're just great guys. Like yeah. they're awesome people. And I'm excited for them to grow for this program, represent this program, because I think they are perfect representations of everything Pepperdine basketball is and will continue to be. I think, too, one, one thing that happens a lot with the WCC, and we'll talk a little bit more about the WCC in the third segment, but there's a lot of criticism about the way that these teams schedule. And certainly some teams deserve some of the criticism for maybe not challenging themselves in the non-conference slate. But I'm looking at Pepperdine's non-conference schedule right now, and and I know that they schedule these things a couple of years in advance, and maybe they weren't sure how, how big of a rebuild they were going to be in. But I'm pretty impressed with what they managed to put on the calendar here. you got TCU, Grand Canyon, Nevada. you got Oregon, Irvine. Uh, Utah Valley is a good squad. Like they, they put a lot of pretty good teams on their non-conference slate. They didn't win um, any of those games, uh, but they obviously, I, I think, when you talk about the progression that some of these freshmen have made, like playing those types of games is what did it. Like it sucks that they got smoked badly by UC Irvine, but it probably made some of these guys better. And I think that's the kind of stuff that. I want to see more WCC coaches be aggressive about trying to put good. And I know it's hard to do because these teams don't want to go play on the road and it's hard to constantly be on the road for yourself, but it's nice to see teams like this go out and play as good of a schedule as they possibly can, because I think it makes them better. Even if the results, you know, the, the record may not show that right away. Totally. I think it does. And the other thing about making people better, making these true freshmen better is how many places could they have gone where Mm -hmm. Houston Millette's averaging 31 minutes a game. Right. Right. How many places can Mike Mitchell go in the country where he's going to average 32 minutes a game right away playing in one of the better conferences in the country that is not a power six conference? Right. Where's he going to go and get that experience? And listen, playing great players in practice. Sure, it matters. Playing for Mm -hmm. a coach that has a history of creating great programs and great teams Mm -hmm. and a story tradition. Sure, it matters. But nothing matters like experience, like in game playing the game experience. Nothing. Nothing is more valuable than that. And right now, Millette and Mike Mitchell Jr. have had that experience. They're getting so much better because of it. And you've seen a totally different backcourt from the start of the year until now. And you saw the best version of Houston Millette last night against BYU. He went nuclear. Yeah. I mean, there was there was a stretch of that game where maybe my favorite stretch of the season for him, where he hit a 30-footer, a pull-up 30-footer. He came back down, hit another three. I think Pepperdine gets a steal. This is the second half. He's running down full speed. Everyone in the gym, he just hit two threes on consecutive possessions. Everyone, and he is an unbelievable shooter, guys. By the way, if you don't know anything about him, 6'5 wing, unbelievable shooter. We run a lot of actions for him coming off of pin downs, coming off of curls, and he is a tremendous catch-and-shoot threat, not just from three, by the way. That's one of the things about him that I love. He is maybe better as a mid-range shooter and a mid-range guy off of those curls off of those pin downs, and he is automatic there and loves taking those and draws a lot of fouls because the way he runs hard off of those and people are kind of locking trailing him and he'll pull up quick, draw a foul, still hit the jumper. But back to that sequence I was talking about, two threes in a row. He's charging down full speed right in front of me, going from left to right. Everyone in the gym, this guy already has his career high. I think he already had like 24 by then. Everyone in the gym thinks what? He's pulling from 30 feet. Sure. And probably going to go in. All the attention, three BYU players are going to him, going to the ball. Instead of pulling up, 
He jumps in the air, throws a dart underneath the basket to Kendall Munson, who lays it in wide open. That was, to me, the best play of the night, one of the best plays of the season because of the circumstance. Just when you're expecting him to chuck, be selfish, that's not mm-hmm. who he is at all as a person or as a player. And he found Kendall Munson under the basket for a wide-open layup, forced a BYU timeout. I'm going nuts on the mic. It was fun. <laughs> 31 points on 9 of 11 shooting for Millette against BYU. 8 for 10 from the line. 5 for 6 from 3. Seriously, one of the best. If, if Tyler Robertson from Portland didn't get a 31-point triple-double on Saturday, I think Millette might really good. He is really good. <laughs> Very good. If, uh, if, Millette, if, if Robertson didn't do that, Millette was probably the player of the game for, or player of the WCC last week. Uh, he'll have plenty of other times to win that fictional award that I'm just making up, but clearly one of the most talented young guys in the conference. Uh, Ash, we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to talk a little bit more about the WCC at large, talk about the the hopes that are still hanging on by a thread of a four-bid WCC for the NCAA tournament. Before Zach we get there, love though, that hashtag, huh? Hashtag four-bid WCC. I hashtag four-bid WCC. It's still alive. Should have been five. Should have been five. We'll get to it, though. Oh, we will. I, I, if, if, if Santa Clara hadn't dealt with all his injuries, it could have happened. Well, we'll talk about saying. it. That's what I'm saying. We'll talk about it in the third segment. Before we get there, though, this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endear often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. I just had my 13-year-old car serviced recently, and I can tell you having one place to find all the parts I need makes things infinitely easier. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still here chatting with Asher Lowe. We're going to talk hashtag 4BidWCC. Obviously, the chances have been hurt a little bit. BYU has been struggling. They did pull off that win against your Waves. Uh, again, it was a close game throughout. Pepperdine played a really close one there. Uh, Matt, Mark, Mark Pope's team is just really not they – they haven't had it. They lost Pacific. That was a really big struggle. We've seen San Francisco and St. Mary's take dips recently. Obviously, St. Mary's lost to Gonzaga, which doesn't go down as a bad loss necessarily, but certainly doesn't help. I'm curious as somebody who's very plugged into not just the WCC, but certainly the rest of the college basketball landscape. You've seen a lot of these teams up close. How how reasonable is it for four teams to get into the WCC? But more importantly, these four teams, like they're they're all tournament caliber teams. I think you you made the argument already. There's five teams in this conference that are good enough to play in the NCAA tournament. I firmly believe that. I'm curious what you think. So two separate things I would say. First one, not reasonable to get four teams in. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to get three in. I really, really? don't. I don't. <clears throat> With that being said, there are five teams that are better than a lot of teams that will be in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. in this conference. There are five. And I think Santa Clara is not fifth, by the way. But well, they're healthy yeah. and they're buzzing. I don't think they're the fifth, the fifth out of those five. I think they're really scary. Yeah. Um, with that being said, like I said, there's been too many losses for mm-hmm. San Francisco. 
the Portland loss is, listen, you know this better than I do, even. Mm -hmm. And I watched them up close come in and destroy Pepperdine in a game where I was like, all right, first conference win. Here it is. I was sitting right behind Shantae Leggins the whole game. Mm -hmm. And, man, was I impressed. Yeah. Everything that he did all game, everything that team did all game, that is not a bottom-of-the-barrel WCC team, and it will not be a bottom-of-the-barrel WCC program for very much longer. Not even close. Robertson, Moses Wood, like they have so many of these kind of tweener guys that can do it all. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness. I mean, I, the guard, uh, Chris Austin, he went yeah. off in that game. They are, they are scary. So like that loss isn't as terrible as I think it will look mm-hmm. on a resume, but with it being said, it still looks bad by yeah. the numbers, right? Uh, Santa Clara obviously had too many non-conference losses. They would need a crazy run probably mm-hmm. to beat Gonzaga once definitely mm-hmm. to, to win out the rest of their games and so on and so on. BYU is a weird case, a really weird case for the bubble. I think they come down to will they make the WCC championship game? Mm-hmm. I don't think the answer is yes yeah. to that question. I really don't. Uh, I think San Francisco is playing better basketball than they are overall the last few weeks, even with that loss. Santa Clara is definitely playing better basketball than they are right now. And St. Mary's has been just classic Randy Bennett team, right? Like, mm-hmm. be in. we know they're going to be in. Do they jump off the page at you? No. Are they as good as most Randy Bennett teams he's had? No. Mm-hmm. Do they have that like classic big that's just like a, a force? No. I think mm-hmm. that's the big difference with this team. Matthias Toss is not that guy. No. Uh, compared to other other bigs they've had, but listen, Tommy Cousy, like, does, does he move the needle? No, but he gets the mm-hmm. job done. Logan yep. Johnson, does he move the needle? No, but you can plug him and play him in Randy mm-hmm. Bennett's system. So they'll be in. They are also the team that out of San Francisco, St. Mary's, BYU. They're the team that's least likely to have that terrible loss. And I said this weeks ago, and it has proven to be true with San Francisco's loss to Portland, with uh, BYU losing at Pacific. So they're not going to have that kind of game where they just look terrible, right? Like That's not who St. Mary's is. Um, They're solid. They grind you, whatever. But listen, this is as deep as the conference has ever been. Mm -hmm. San Diego, like, like they're no joke. You can't push them over. Right. Pacific, like, uh, oh, and can we talk about LMU a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't some people have them like third uh, or fourth preseason? Oh, they, did. they did, Andy. This was the LMU dream year. This is the year they were going to get into the tournament. Oh, man. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to go any farther than that before I get into trouble. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think um, you you hit it you hit it right on the head. I think St. Mary's is definitely the team most likely to. Uh, they're they're almost a lock at this point to make the NCAA tournament, barring a, a significant collapse. Which we you know knock on wood on that because we said that about BYU, and then they had a significant collapse, so it can happen. But Bennett's team is, is seems kind of ironclad against losing those kinds of games. But they're also the kind of team that that can. You know they, they they frustrate everybody. They frustrated Gonzaga on Saturday night. Like they, they Gonzaga ended up winning that one by sixteen, but they it was fairly close throughout. It was like a, a nine point game with six minutes to go, something like that. Uh, I don't know that they they really pull a lot of upsets just because they don't have the offensive firepower. But they're the kind of team that is going to hang around with anybody that they play, and they have the opportunity to win to win any game that they might run into in the NCAA tournament. But BYU's loss at Pacific is just killer. And like you said, Shantae and and Portland have are doing some really good things. I'm really excited about the future of that program. Most impressive team to me in the WCC this year has been Portland. Yeah, they they look great. And I like you said, I think everybody on their team is between like six three and six eight, and they can just do they can just mix and match and move everybody around. And like for for teams that don't have overwhelming size like Gonzaga has, 
that that's really frustrating. Like it's frustrating to try to deal with that because it's like, well, is this guy the center? Is he, he's playing three? Like they can move everybody around. And Shantae is obviously extremely creative, and it's it's fun to see them kind of developing that way. But still, San Francisco losing that game still really hurts. Like uh, you and I can talk two, about. By the way, they could have hmm? lost both to Portland. Yeah. They almost did lose both. Yeah. Uh, so no, but I also think, by the way, about San Francisco, they're the team that out of these teams that we're wondering about on the bubble. I'd be most afraid to play them. I don't know what yeah. you think about that, or you think about uh, those three teams or so, St. Mary's, Santa Clara, San Francisco, BYU. Well, St. Mary's, will just call them a lock. They are a lock at this point, mm -hmm. in my opinion. But I'd be really afraid to play San Francisco in a tournament setting with those if guards. San, if San Francisco gets a 10 or an 11 seed, uh, and, and the, you know they're playing a 6 seed or a 7 seed, some you know average-ish Power 5 school, uh, that that team is going to think, okay, we got ourselves a good one. You know, this is like a, a, a non-Gonzaga WCC team, whatever team that has made the NCAA tournament in forever. And I think that they're going to be very disappointed because I think there are very few teams on that 6-7 line looking at the bracket that I think conclusively would beat San Francisco if they played them. If San Francisco plays their game, if Todd Golden brings it, which I know he's going to because he's a very good coach, Jamari Bouye, Khalil Shabazz, you know, uh, Masalski, if those guys all bring their A game to that game, they beat every 6-7 team that's on that seed line right now. Almost guaranteed. They have to bring it. You know, it's not a guarantee, obviously, but I think that that team is good enough to win that game uh, if pretty conclusively, and I think that there's, there's a decent chance that they're going to do that. Uh, they have to survive the rest of the WCC conference play. They have to at least win a game in the WCC tournament. I think if they play in the, you know, in the championship game against Gonzaga, then they're in for sure, most likely. Uh, but I, I think they're a team that could legitimately do some damage for me. Experienced guard play is always what I look for when I'm kind of unsure on which team I think is going to win. And with the way Bouye has been playing and how, how experienced he is, like he, he's the kind of guy who could lead them into an upset, even though he's never been in the NCAA tournament before. Quick Todd Golden story for you. Uh, I was I sit behind the assistant or the visiting coaches every mm -hmm. game, so I basically hear everything they say, and they'll sometimes turn and like cheekily say something to the table. Yeah, something happens. And Jamari Bouye hit like a tween cross, step back. It was it was nuts, like <laughs> like crazy space separation mm -hmm. uh, move, and hit a jumper with it. Todd Golden's walking back, and I'm like, he, I think he can hear me at the table going, "Ooh!" I said something mm -hmm. like that, and he turns around and goes. You see that right there? That's why I'm a good coach. <laughs> <laughs> that does not surprise me at all. Yeah, um, I'm go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I have one more thing I wanted to say to Zags fans real quick. I want uh, It's a proposal I have for Zags fans. All right. Can we, and I guess not we, can Zags fans <laughs> petition, although I am kind of one sometimes, can Zags fans petition together to ban Gonzaga from the WCC tournament? <laughs> what Look, do you have to gain? What do you have to gain? Only an injury, right? Like, like, like mm -hmm. what do you have to gain? This moment, like, have we have we not proven, Andy, that momentum from the WCC tournament does not matter for Gonzaga? It does not matter. No, that's that's very true. I, I will well, give you that one hundred percent. How fun would the conference be this year if we had a WCC tournament without the Zags? I, I actually I hear what you're saying, and I think I mean obviously outside of Gonzaga fans wanting to go to Las Vegas and watch the games, yeah, which is I think going to be going to be a hard argument for people who who like to actually go. Like yeah, I I would love I I don't I never want Gonzaga to lose in order for another team to be successful, and I'd never want them to lose in Vegas because it's so difficult to see that happen. But I I said on this podcast multiple times this year, if 
losing to San Francisco specifically, if losing to San Francisco is what will get the Dons in the NCAA tournament, I would I would take that trade. Like I would do that. I wouldn't do it for St. Mary's or BYU because I, I can't stomach that. I That's do it for BYU. I'll say that. But, I would not do it for BYU. Yeah, fair. Exactly. But for the Dons, for a team that hasn't made the tournament in a long time, that has this rich basketball history that you know, my sister went there, which also helps as well. Like I would do that for them. And if it, if if we didn't even have to lose, if we could just bow out of the WCC okay. tournament and say, hey, we're good. We'll go play some scrimmage games somewhere so we can stay, you know, not get rusty. We'll let the other, these other teams duke it out. Maybe St. Mary's wins, which doesn't really matter, but maybe San Francisco wins. Hell, maybe Santa Clara wins. Well, they could do Portland that. Maybe the run, Andy. Like, it's not out yeah. of the question. Yeah, it's absolutely po- – the only team that it's pretty much impossible for some of those teams to beat is Gonzaga. If if Portland runs all the way to the national – or the WCC title game, that would be incredible. They're probably not going to beat – uh, Gonzaga, San Diego, same thing. They could make it to the championship game. Probably not going to beat them, but Santa Clara, like, could legitimately win the WCC tournament. Totally. Probably not against Gonzaga, but without them, definitely they could do it. And that would be awesome if Santa Clara made a run. <laughs> if Santa Clara made it to the WCC championship game and lost to Gonzaga, they're probably still not going to get in at large because their non-conference slate was so bad because they had all those injuries. But this team with PJ Pipes with Jalen Williams, like, they're so good. They're so oh, good. Man. I wish I could have talked about him more. He is. Oh, he's man. A, oh my! He's I, I, he's on draft boards. How, how many oh, how many underclassmen WCC non Gonzaga BYU guys show up on draft boards? That's rare. He should, be, he should be on every draft board in the country. Yeah, absolutely. He should. The, yeah, the fact that he's barely showing up means people aren't paying enough attention yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't really get why he's barely showing up. To be honest, three level score, six six, forty percent from three. Like the three point rate has gone up over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. He is a better finisher at the rim than I think people realize. Um, the improvement of the shooting, like the shooting arc of improvement year to year. So many things that NBA people would love. I can't wait till he's in his like third or fourth week in the NBA and whatever team he's on is going to be like, who the heck is this guy? And they're going to realize, oh, he's, he's really good. Like, yeah, you got a good one. He, you didn't see him in college, but you got yourself a good one. Totally. He's going to be he's going to be a stud. Absolutely. Asher, thank you so much. We could talk about other WCC players for hours and maybe we will on another show some other time. Uh, But for now, I just want to give people an opportunity. Can you let them know where they can find you, where they can follow you uh, if they're interested in more Pepperdine takes and when it's not Pepperdine pro Gonzaga takes as well. Well, if you're at Firestone Fieldhouse on Wednesday, come say hi. Yeah, Uh, Love to to say hi Uh, on Twitter at ALOW underscore 33 and uh, com. If you like big 10 hoops, Talking mm-hmm. Big Ten hoops there. And, uh, yeah, all over the Twitter sphere. And, obviously, every game at Firestone Fieldhouse, if you're ever in Malibu. Asher, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you to those of you who have made this show your first listen of the day as well. Now, if you want to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all of your sports gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.